Hello and welcome to season two of the world's most valuable business and technology podcast, Conversations Worth Millions. We'll be delving into hot topics like synthetic media, AI, intelligent automation, voice and chat, as well as Web3. In this episode, I have a really interesting chat with Steve O'Brien from New Icon, and we have a wide-ranging chat about composable architecture, internet of things, brain-based AI, deep learning models, neuroscience, technology barriers, and much, much more. Stay tuned. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Conversations Worth Millions with me, Roy Murphy, founder of Synthetic Agency. Today, I've got a fascinating guest. It's none other than Steve O'Brien, founder and head honcho at the amazing business, New Icon. Hello, Steve. Hi. Hi, Roy. How's it going? Good, thanks. Good, thanks. So we're chatting in January 2023. It's raining outside, but you'd expect that. But there's lots to chat about and unpick. We're going to have a talk with Steve about uh, his background, how he's gotten to uh, the lofty heights he's gotten to now, what he sees coming in tech trends and all sorts of interesting things around digital uh, connected technology and uh, what might be happening next. So, Steve, maybe just uh, introduce yourself. Sure. Yeah. So I guess I'm Steve. I'm running New Icon, which is like a technology agency focused on IoT and app development. Always fascinating people's journeys into where they are now. So what, what was your potted history of highlights? Well, I guess I, I've always described myself, and I think quite a lot of agencies are like this, like a bit of an accidental uh, business owner. And that I, you know, it starts from a passion with technology, and then you, you're able to help out various businesses, and then you end up taking on projects, and and then you suddenly look up and you've got a bit of a business around you, and then it's well, do I take this seriously as a business or do I carry on uh, doing technology? Um, I mean, for me personally, they, those kind those things run opposite to running a good business. It's sometimes because it's, you know, you just want to play with the latest and greatest technology or work on that project when you should be running the business. And so I guess uh, I'm trying to be more aware of that as we grow so that, you know, uh, the business runs. And and I, I also get some time to play with, with the technology too and keep my uh, skills sharp in that area. Because uh, that's at the end of the day why why I started the business because from that passion of technology and and uh, you know moving things forward. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, the the maker versus uh, the business person is always always a, yeah. a a real balance. If you if you're passionate about it in the first place, you want to do loads of it. But the reality is you can't continue to do that if you're growing a business, right? No, exactly. Um, and you know, I so we we do quite a lot of business systems as well, and so you know when you're doing those you are looking at processes and and from a very sort of business process mindset i got really into lean engineering and and the you know analyzing things as waste and value add and non-essential you know sort of essential activities that you have to do and that's really quite interesting way of framing things you know like you, you, lots of companies will will thrust a business system onto you um, like, oh, here's sales, Salesforce or something, and you've got to use it this way, and then I'm going to train you, as opposed, you know, and they don't think of sort of business as a manufacturing production line. Like, even with information, you can imagine it, like everyone's job is essentially transforming information from one state to another, a bit like the raw materials start the factory. And, you know, the uh, Lean Engineering Innovations was kind of, you know, you'll see this raw material gradually move constantly through the factory and at the end you'll get a plane or a car or whatever at the at the other side and we 
we don't yet really think of information in the same way. And, and you know, people whose full-time jobs suddenly have to do a huge amount of extra work because they've got, you know, a hundred clicks instead of two clicks or something like this in this new business system that gives someone else in the business some better reporting, but, you know, make gives them double the amount of work. And so thinking things from that lean engineering perspective, I really liked um, and really love and, and just about creating business systems. So when I, when I try and think of the business, I try and think of it from that. At, um, angle but it's really hard to work on your own <laughs> you know there's something about perspective and being in it you know yeah. it's a bit like if uh, I used to be in a band and you go on stage and you're playing and you know it's, it never sounds on stage like it does to your audience and it's so hard you know you never get to experience your own uh your own sort of performance from that that perspective right. of, uh, of somebody else so if yeah. um if you heard me sing you wouldn't want to experience it Steve, to be honest, I've I've got a a, a well hidden past as a as a boy band member. Believe it or not, you'd never think of it. Really, now. Yeah, <laughs> really? Isn't it? I'll, have, I'll have to send you a demo tape. But literally on on yeah. tape, it's that old. Very interested in your take on tech trends and what you see. What what do you think is coming in terms of the the big macro shifts in the next eighteen months or two years? Oh man, this is always the uh, thing, isn't it? I mean, I sort of live in the clouds anyway. But I would say um. Obviously, everyone at the moment, if you're thinking what what technology is everyone talking about, it's all the recent sort of AI spurred by GPT, right? Like every day sure. I go on LinkedIn, there's a post. I'm sort of resisting doing a post at the moment. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, funnily enough, I was in a meeting the other day and we were going through like value propositions and like coming up with sentences. And not only were, were we talking to the you know, throwing the questions out to the to the group. I was also like throwing the questions into GBT to see, you know, just yeah. and that was and that was actually really quite good. You know, it's like, oh, coming back with some really great stuff. And as we were doing stuff, you know, you put it in, oh, so this is our value proposition. This is our, you know, um mission. This is our stuff. What would our vision look like? You know, and it's going and it's really coming back with stuff that sounds currently and we're also doing doing some stuff in that space. But it's it's interesting because it's sort of becoming very quickly. Um and you can't trust it, obviously. It's not, you know, it's not up to date. It's, you know, for those who haven't used it, um, mm. it uh, the models are 18, I think 18 months old. Um, but that will change, I'm sure. That's a, that's a technical challenge rather than a user challenge. Um, but it is it's coming very quickly for uh, something you tend to have alongside you as a co-pilot, almost an AI yeah, co-pilot. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll just yeah. check. Oh, that's interesting. On just, it's just having another person to ask and can often throw up things you hadn't thought of. So just as a, initially as a, um, as a kind of aid to idea generation it's useful right definitely yeah yeah definitely it's hard starting from a blank piece of paper sometimes and so being able to bounce Absolutely. something okay so we've got we've got the gpt and gpt4 when it comes out i'm sure it's another yeah. level but we'll, we'll leave that for the moment what, what else are you seeing are you thinking about it's it's worth mentioning that because i think people are still figuring out how to use it and there'll be it's almost the same kind of uh software development in terms of there's this API that we can now integrate, you know, and it comes back to that human element of how can we create that co-pilot environment in a, you know, it's more than a chat uh, interface, let's say. So if you're a digital marketing company, you might want to say have um, a studio, you know, think like, like the Photoshop for designers, but for your marketing and you can say, okay, we've got this concept, you know, design my LinkedIn year content plan, my Twitter content plan, you know, and the, the stuff around it and it'll be you'll be able to riff on those ideas and be much more fascinating that'd be quite a cool little yeah like a co-pilot studio i think there's going to be some huge businesses in that space definitely uh i mean there's loads we want to build but obviously just we'll never have the time to i mean the other the other thing i really like the idea was you know you you have um your, your business 
one just sat on all your chat tools listening <laughs> and um sure. uh so the, the the challenge there is they're going to be around privacy the things it shouldn't listen to but this is where if you have a continuously learning model and you can say ah oh, um you know because how many times have i answered a question you know and and answering questions to someone one-on-one -on -one, it you know thinking oh wait i should really answer this to everyone and put it into a proper format and mm -hmm. so that everyone's able to answer it's a is is actually a lot of work you know and sometimes it's just oh where's this you know or how do we store that what's the yeah. process for this you know very quick just responses if that's going into a yeah just a, an ai that sat there like a chat gpt ai that's just sat there learning from this in the future you know it can look at all your chat and anytime anyone answers a question it'll be able to answer it um or at least given that option and that that would be a pretty cool you know you could easily tie that to something like slack as a slack extension or a base camp extension exactly. um yeah the danger is when you say so what does uh what does steve really think about me <laughs> or or what uh, what does such and such in the office really think about me you know uh, sort of private chat conversations I think that the thing is the opportunity would actually be to listen in on all the private chat conversations, but it certainly encourage transparency and people to be <laughs> careful in what they, they say. Yeah. About the team. Which, which I guess has, has pluses and minuses, right? For, for like yeah. separate privacy and trust actually in that matter. Yeah. Well, actually it's not good to focus on what you're bad, but it's good to be aware of what you're bad at. Right. And then focus on what you're good at so that, you know, <laughs> uh, but be, be improving what you're bad at, but don't obsess about what you're bad at. Just be aware of your... Uh... Oh, I, I, I've tried that. doesn't work, Steve, for me. I'm bad at so many <laughs> things. I just have to focus on the good stuff. But that might be that yeah, might be the, 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 the mild narcissist within me. Who knows? Abby, but you just admit that you know that you're bad at certain things, right? So, oh, okay. so that's, um, you know, it's the, the danger is when you don't know you're bad. It's, it's like the, the, well, I don't want to be mean, but like, you know, when if you have the singer or the guitar player comes up and thinks they're hitting all the right notes and you sort of have that awkward, well, I know. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do yeah, hear. I think that's wrong. I mean, I it depends how you th how you approach it. Because if you know you're wrong, right? Well, if you don't mind being told you're wrong, then it's fine. I mean, yeah, good. But go is. back to your question. I guess just touching back on the that's what we were talking. We were talking about the AI, weren't we? I guess obviously you've got things like Dali. Um, that was quite cool. We did a, I did a presentation recently where I, you know, a late a last minute rush presentation for a talk that I had to do on, uh, the future of IoT and um, you know. The, I just I, I planned the slide titles and then I was feeding the titles through to Dali, which was giving me nice images. And then my presentation was nice. I think it was about 15 slides with 15 unique images, which reminded me of the topic. And that was, you know, I didn't need to have a designer or you know, yeah. my slides. Yeah. I didn't have to, because the danger when you do a presentation, you spend all your time, you know, playing around with your slides. Rather Beautifying than it. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Uh, Actually, so that, um, was, that was fun. And, and obviously, what, the reason I mentioned that is I think they'll merge. So, you know, you'll get these multi, I mean, certainly just from the open AI tools, but you've got like NVIDIA and all these other big companies, mm -hmm. you know, doing lots of the same diffusion models. And when you compare, you know, so so compounding those specific AIs might get to something more generic. I mean, certainly like ChatGPT, I think it was a surprise to the developers as well. Like it's very good at coding um, and coming up with functions. And that's, um, I've used it to do that. And that's really good. It doesn't give you perfect code all the time, yeah. but but then I, you know, no, no one writes perfect code. Mm -hmm. So it's um, it's just, that is super handy. And that, and that comes back to, I think, you know, the art of writing code is not really the writing code. It's that it, it comes back to when I was saying about the sort of the factory of that information flow. And I think that's a concept that's probably not taught enough. And we, I think something we want to focus on 2023 is creating this 
sort of a very basic information flow course, which helps, you know, designers, marketers, engineers, coders, because sometimes they're not even great at this concept, just understand this like information transformation and flow and some of these basics about information, because all coding is really doing is transforming information into other, you know, it's either storing it, it's retrieving it, it's manipulating it, sending it out somewhere else. And, um, you know, if, if, I think sometimes people, you know, they they shut their mind off when they're talking about technology project and like everyone, certainly if you're not already, is going to be coming up against some app, some software that you have to use in your daily life. And it's if you can understand that simple information flow, then you can have the you're sort of empowered with the ability to affect change on that system and describe it in a way that everyone can understand. Um, and certainly even to a way, if you know that that's something that GPT um could start writing code for you right say so, all you need to then know is the buzzword like in javascript or whatever it might yeah. be and, and then i think we're going to see this concept of like composable architecture you know where you have lots of so not only i mean this comes back to the iot part that i mentioned in the past obviously we get this mer we're starting to see this merging of um that sort of the digital into our daily lives we've obviously had it with the iphones which is really you know and, and smartphones which is really the first generation of that but you know now into our factories into our devices into much more um everyday products and making that easier so we see more things but not only that but parts of systems themselves like software systems are becoming little mini iot things right so i can have the you know, and then you have whole businesses spun up that only solve one part of the problem. Like this business only focuses on user management and they have a user management solution and it's uh, a system on the web and you can get the API. So, you know, like I mean, people have been talking about this for ages, but I just think it's it's really starting to affect everyone now. And like, you know, anyone can couple quite an impressive system together by using various APIs online and bolting them together. Um, especially now you can literally sign up and, you know, get all of the power of like GPT. Yeah. Um, and just access it via an API. So definitely more of that. My sort of passions, I suppose, in terms of technology are definitely sort of brain-based AI. I think it's really interesting that this sort of AI where we have these huge data models that, you know, have you spend millions and millions and loads of compute power and you train them on the entire internet and they can be impressive, but they're still kind of dumb because they, you know, I don't need to show you, um, you know, a million pictures of cats for you to know what a cat is. Um, I can, you, you know, a human can see a cat once and from that one cat know what cats are. So we're doing something a lot more generic that lots of these AIs can't yet do. Um, and so that's kind of interesting. Like, and I think we'll see a lot more of, of the sort of the deep um, learning models and then the sort of more computational um, neuroscience based models merge hopefully that's what, what i'm hoping and th then that's when we get to the real what is you know the true the true ai with the generic mm -hmm. um you know like a conscious ai right because chat, chat gpt can talk to you but it's not got that yeah it's but it's a it's a magnitude better than you know even going back a few years and when we, we maybe yourself as i started with you know what was conversational ai which is really just dumb and just rails and very much just scripted um, it's, yeah. it's and that's maybe five, six, seven years ago in terms of commercial beginnings of that, I guess. And that's you know, if we had that back in 2017, wow, yes. okay, where would we yeah. where would we be now? So, um, for me, the uh, similarly, the the, the decade is looking very exciting. God, so the next five years are going to be wild. There's going to be yeah. so much opportunity, so much you know, better, hopefully better user experiences, lots of lots of businesses spun up, um, lots of money to be made as well. I guess you know, for for brands and individuals, agencies too. 
So yeah, it's an exciting time. Yeah. The Star Trek computer, isn't it? It's like, you know, <laughs> data. Yeah, we're here. Sort of... We're almost there. Tell me about IoT on the hype cycles as things come and go. You know, IoT's probably been around maybe, you know, for all maybe 10 years. We all remember would remember it being very, very hyped, maybe 2015, 2016, maybe 2014, actually. And um, back in the days, well, wow, everything's gonna be connected, everything talks to each other. And I guess for not necessarily in technology, uh, deeply into it. Uh, people think smart fridges. Hey, yeah, IoT smart fridges went away. That's it. So I open my fridge up. Stop, stop going for the Heineken again, Roy. It's eight a.m. on a, on a Tuesday. Uh, not this year, although I'm doing a, a whole a, a dry twenty twenty three. So twenty twenty four. But you know, your cheese is talking to all that kind of stuff. You know? And I think that's some some people's perception. Now I know it's not that. So we were there. It hasn't gone away. It's it's hopefully through the hype cycle, down through the value of disappointment, onto the kind of utility part. <laughs> But tell me more about it. What, what, for those who don't know, what, what's IoT look like these days currently? Where, where's it at? Right. I mean, you're absolutely right. I, there's not really a technology barrier um, now. And I think that's why, certainly for agencies, it's um, an exciting place to be. I think it does tap into um, the reason why New Icon, let's say, um, and people come to us is for that information flow piece and just understanding that. I think lots of people get, you know, you're the mobile app developer or you're the, we were good at this and they fail to think of a protocol based um, system, which is, you know, well, actually let's just figure out fundamentally what we're doing, the information design that, and then, you know, what the technology choices then define themselves much easier. But I mean, for, for me, it's, it's a few different pressures that are happening. One is just um, the expectation of this technology being more embedded into our daily lives. So we're starting to pay, you know, with, with our watches, with our phones, um, and people are expecting to do that. Now, if you go and get by some luxury brand and you can't do this fundamental thing that you've expected to do, which is pay for stuff, um, cause no one accepts cards anymore, let's say, uh, you're going to be like, well, that, that's a blocker. Now you've you've bought the thing because it's maybe some luxury watch or luxury jewelry, but you want to be able to transact with, with it. You know that's not the the full function. And so I think some other brands are feeling the pressure to get involved. For us, our sweet spot really is engineering because we've we've come from an engineering background, and so you've got um, this sort of sweet spot where you know lots of engineering companies that probably have physical devices. It could be you know flow valves. It could be. Um, all kinds of different things you know it could be uh, like for example one project recently like sensors on a in an aircraft mm-hmm. um and there's an expect expectation of control like i want to be able to control this thing from my digital universe where i can control everything else um so i want to be able to see that data on my phone because you know you've probably got experiences with things like you know smart thermostats and other other such things just becoming you know, like, Air, you know, AirPods really and, and and things like this that already are quite seamless. Mm-hmm. Um, people just are expecting it more. And so I think there's there's a bigger pressure on brands to just create good experiences. Engineering companies want to take advantage of that level of control, better for maintenance, better for debugging, getting the data out, finding out what's happening. Say so if you, you know, if you can man- manage your fleet of things from the comfort of your office rather than going on site, if you can debug remotely, amazing and so i i just think um and the technology is much easier uh you know networks are much better so you know you've got 5g coming in i mean so i just think it's there's a there's a whole compounding 
bunch of reasons. I mean, people are talking about other protocols like Matter and stuff like this. I think I think it slowed down it because like Nest was making a lot of progress in the whole, and then they got bought by Google, and then mm. the whole thing sort of slowed down. But um, but yeah, I think we're at nice. I mean, your people's minds shut off when you think of IoT. It's a terrible term, but I mean, it's yeah. the correct term because it's like the Internet of Things. But um, something I talk about is creating a, um, you know, we're creating a programmable world, right? And so this comes back to if you can understand information, you don't have to be a programmer to, to have agency over that. But um, imagine all the things you can create when we have the, this API-driven, um, you know, world around us <laughs> so i hope that wasn't too much of a vague answer but but yeah i think there's just basically a, a culmination of lots of different things and it's affecting lots of in industries people talk about industry four or five you've got smart supply chains you've got um yep. predictive maintenance you've, and then you've just got the fact that everyone's carrying around effectively the internet in their pocket so they want to be able to see their you, that sort of world from them everyone expects to be able to log into their business stuff from wherever they are and so why can't i see the stats of the factory of the machine of the aircraft um and so i think that's why and, and actually it's technically um you know, we've been building cloud systems and mobile apps for ages. I mean, a mobile app essentially is an IoT product, right? Because it's got to usually talk to a server somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah. And so if you if you combine that sort of mobile app cloud system and a device protocol, and you have and you and you focus on the protocols and the communication between those, suddenly you have the ability to create you know very powerful and wonderful iot experiences <laughs> oh i like the last bit that sounds great um, and how okay so if i'm a brand and I'm, I'm keen to get involved in iot apart from talking to your good selves what's good tools resources where should they start i mean i usually start by telling people like don't folk obsess about the technology like, mm -hmm. wh whatever you do just think of how would you like it to work in a perfect world and try to be you know try to just step out and say well in a perfect world i suppose i just you know, speak to the room. I'd say, I'd say, computer, what is the status of, you know, or like on Star Trek? And then it's like, well, funnily enough, uh, that is actually possible these days. You just put a little Indeed. smart speaker in your office, wire up to chat GPT, give it access to the, um, you know, feed in the trait, the status from your factory. And there we go. So, um, and so, so actually we start generally projects from that design. So we, we call it sort of like an agile architecture phase, which essentially sure. is um, rehearsing the building it, but it really is focusing on that information flow. If there's protocols, we, you know, a, an API, um, and this is actually really important for, I think, all software development and any company trying to get into software development or building a product is get that API online, get it public, because things like ChatGPT, right? And certainly ChatGPT4 will be able to read it yeah. And then other people will be able to ask how to do something and use your API to make that happen. And so um, APIs themselves should be human readable and easy to understand. You know, it's I give I send you this piece of it. I ask for this piece of information like this. You request it like that. Um, and the other thing I'd recommend, um, and this is something we're thinking about maybe introducing into this course idea of like teaching people, well, this is the actual, like, you know, how does the protocol of the Internet work? because we all use it every day, but how many people have actually looked at HTTP packet that fly in, you know, and see it or, or looked yep. at an email packet to actually understand it. It's like, mm -hmm. it's a text file essentially getting thrown across the internet, right. With, with a few headers in and a format. Um, and so it's like, once you have these conventions for formats, you have this protocol and everyone can understand that it's not, you know, it doesn't take, you don't need to know about binary or 
or a database technology, you know, you just need to know, ah, oh, that's an agreement between two people and or two devices or three or however many. Um, and so that's, um, so yeah, so long story short, we, we always start the design, you know, role play out how, what you want that experience to be and then fit the technology to it later. Sure. Technology is an enabler, basically, right? Uh, user first, as always, keep it open, think API, common sense, right? And yeah, um, yeah. I did see, interesting. I did see my favorite, um, we'll call it IoT experience that I've, I've come across lately was at CES, which was the um, consumer show that was on last week for, for those who don't know. Lots of wild and, and crazy things. I'm sure you've seen some stuff too, but it was, I think it was called the U-Bend, which was a, you can imagine what it is. It's a, it's a smart sensor for weeing on, which tells you your, you know, water retention and your oh, cool. uh, sugar and stuff. Oh, that's amazing. The, I don't know. I, I, they should have called it the U-We. That's the only thing they're missing. It's actually a proper <laughs> name for it. But I thought that was, that's actually quite useful. Um, yeah, it's quite, anyway, that was my, my any, anything you've seen? Did, did you um, get a chance to look at anything new coming out in CES? Uh, or? You know what? I'm really bad. So I love playing with the technology and encoding things. I'm terrible at getting out from my computer. I do need to do that. That's my <laughs> New enough. Year's resolution. I'm going to be going Good. to more shows, more events, and actually meeting people. Absolutely. <laughs> Couldn't agree years. more. But there must be, I mean, the challenges, I guess, for businesses and brands, and one of the questions we often get is data and privacy. If your data is everywhere and connected, what does that mean for, for trust and privacy? It's a tricky question, I know, but how do you answer it when, when asked those types of questions? Um, generally, I say, don't turn your mind off because people turn their mind off and think it's a problem for the lawyers. And it actually just use some common sense. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if you're storing someone's personal data here, you know, it, you tell them you're storing it there and that it's with you and you have a relationship with you. I'm not going to, you know, what people are worried about is what whether that's easy to get access to, whether it's public, whether it's being sold on. And I think, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that we could, I guess it's probably a good point to touch on Web3, which I didn't mention. I, I generally fire Web3 in the IoT category in terms of um, it's essentially another technology, it's another technology in your toolbox Um and it's that whole, when I mentioned composable architecture, it's like pieces of a system, which maybe would usually be, say, sat on one server distributed. And so um, we could, you know, like something like Twitter, like should should that be one company solution or should it really be an internet protocol? Um, like, you know, it probably should just dissolve and get consumed by the internet. I mean, I, mean, I quite like the saying, Something say quite a lot. It's like everything will eventually be consumed by the internet anyway, right? So like sure. if if you feel like you're safe in your little ivory tower, like one day the internet will come along and eat you. And and that's true of everything. Like I think even humanity, right? In the future, um, if we extrapolate out far enough, uh, some crazy person somewhere will desperately want to upload their brains into the computer, right? And then and then become of the internet. I mean, actually, thinking about that, our grandkids will probably be able to take in fact not even our grant we could do this now we'll be able to take our online presence yeah. and feed that into an ai that can create a virtual you all right it's not you but yeah. it's uh it will be like hey like if you're great if you're not around and and your grand when your grandkids born you might say oh do you want to talk to granddad sure. let's yeah. let's regenerate him from the internet and have a chat yeah. with Steve. i mean <laughs> so, yeah, you know what that's not far out though the proto versions that exist i mean digital twins around for a while yeah. but if, if you connect like you say back to gbt again with AI, with some synthetic media and the advances in, in kind of avatar generate, you can do that now alongside capturing voice and, you know, yeah. interactions and movements. And yeah. it's doable now. It isn't you, I get it, but, you know, 
there's yeah, deep fakes that have been around for a while. Well, it's yeah. Yeah, if you've got access to, uh, if you've got fairly, I mean, it's not even deep pockets, reasonably deep pockets for the compute power. Yeah, you can generate a deep fake, chuck in your data, and it would, um, I mean, yeah, because GPD, yeah, you're right. It's literally doing it right now. So absolutely, how, how easy it will be for anyone to do that. You know, it's probably you know, £2 uh, a month to generate. Uh, well, <laughs> generate. Moore's law is completely completely gone now, isn't it? It's it's That was, you know, probably millions upon millions of pounds, maybe 10 or five years ago that's probably literally a, a SaaS product when we've yeah. got some of there there are some around actually we, we use for, for some of our work um, and they are literally 20 pounds a month um uh so watch out for roybot roybot version two coming soon no, no <laughs> question know. version one wasn't that good version two is gonna be brilliant uh so i don't have to do any of this stuff it's brilliant but let, let roy do it roybot so, do it all oh, right so the roybot's gonna run your business absolutely yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah Probably do a better job than me, frankly. Um, <laughs> to, to tell you the truth, I'll, I'll put in someone else's brain into it and, and someone who yeah. can sing as well. So what's your views on the metaverse? Just give us a quick overview of where, where you think that's going. Yeah, metaverse. I kind of feel, again, for me, it's kind of like touchscreen versus a mouse. It's another way to experience something. I'll be more excited, funnily enough, it comes we're sort of circling back to AI again, when we have better real world object recognition so like ar so i can wear the gla like glasses and it can detect mm -hmm. what's around me much more effective than it can do currently I, I mean funnily enough that's actually a much harder problem than say something like chat gpt which is trained on you know predicts the next word in this sentence mm -hmm. and it's just fed the entire internet and creates this huge statistical model yep. this is i think training things that way we have to borrow much more on how humans actually do it um I mean, I, you know, I always, we live in a metaverse in our heads, right? We live in the, like a model we create of the world that isn't the actual world. I think once we see like, so you just have to look at human color perception and, um, and like our senses work logarithmically. There's huge chunks of reality that we just never get to experience. I mean, that's another thing I'm quite excited about <laughs> going back to IoT is like, what, what sensors can we augment ourselves with? Um, but, and so for me, um yeah it's it's really interesting really fascinating i think um i'm more excited about it in the gaming context than mm -hmm. i am the work context um it's just i think and again you know if you can create a tony stark kind of uh design tool where you can sort of grab things and play with them like that um combined with you know your jarvis gpt then that would be awesome um coming soon but uh but yeah, I so I sort of tentatively in that space, and you know, I think people have different concepts of it. Like metaverse, again, like the sort of the web you can use WebGL, and you can use um 3D experiences on the web. You know, would you call that a 3D experience mm. that you can access on a browser? Is mm. that metaverse or is that you know? Uh, and there's some great examples of people creating you know, um, cool design tools. You know, like just you know simple things for like you know if you want a kitchen you can design it 3d on online sure. and that's kind of using those 3d models but what's what's uh, your thoughts i'll, I'll put that yeah, back yeah it's interesting I, I go i go up and down with it it's kind of similar because metaverse means lots of things to different people so roblox and fortnite and the proto metaverses are, are you know are, are valuable and are being used by millions of people mm. but they're games they're not interoperable and that might be coming soon Whereas, you know, even today with things like Decentraland and Sandbox, it's the usage and even even the uh, Meta's own, you know, Metaverse isn't isn't actually, by all accounts, used very much by by the thousands of people who use that. So I think we're really early, to be honest. It went through that massive, like IoT did, it went through the hype cycle in 21. So it's very early. I think there's big opportunities. And interesting, I kind of concur with the 
the AR and the mixed reality piece. So um, I think I'm right in saying Apple are bringing out their first AR set later in the year. It's rumored, isn't it? It's rumored. rumored yeah. So, and of course, they wouldn't they wouldn't show it at CES. They never they never obviously go to that. Um, so that would be interesting because you know, and that might not be brilliant because for, first time out isn't a well, Google Glass. We all remember that from ten years ago mm. and how rubbish that was. Uh, and snap glasses and all the different various ones. So yeah, I mean, Apple do have a tendency to 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 change the game quite quickly. Um, yeah, I think whether they will or not, I don't know. Um, and if it's coming out this year, I don't know. So I'll, I'll I'll wait and see what happens there. I do know plenty of uh, maximalists on the on the metaverse side, and I know a lot of naysayers. I'm kind of in the middle, to be honest. It's not hedging. It's just what's the real world application? Dipping a toe into it as a brand or a business, absolutely the right thing to do. But I'm always mm-hmm. into MVPs and pilots and innovation. You need for it to be a mass market product. You need the cult. You need culture. I think this is where people sometimes go off, go slightly wrong with technology. And and something actually Apple are great at is that whole shifting the culture or making it tying it to an experience that is so comfortable that it suddenly becomes used. Like you know they did yeah. that with uh, you know they're really good at that. And so um, you know they don't necessarily lead with the the, the best. Um, the cutting edge so someone's usually done the technology before but is trying mm-hmm. to match that technology with a good design experience so people actually yeah. want to use this thing and create that desire and yeah i think we're there with the with the metaverse but i mean it's cool like you know don't get me wrong it's super just, cool isn't it you know it, it until everyone's got a uh, the glass it's the glass is the problem isn't it it's like you kind yeah. of just want this you want it you want that to you didn't want a device. Yeah, just right? want a brain. I want a brain interface. I want to tap twice on my head and go yeah. boom. I'm in the metaverse. That's what. That's what I really want. Yeah, exactly. So let's do that. Uh, so you're, you're, you know, at the cutting edge of technology, IoT in particular, and, and software and new things. Where do you get your inspiration from? Ooh, now that is a that's an interesting question. Um, how do I keep interested? Uh, so I, I get very excited about the future. I, I mean, sometimes it's a bit of a double edged sword because I get so excited that today I'm going to wake up. I'm going to create this. It's going to change the world. And, you know, by the end of the day, when I haven't created my factory of autonomous robots, you know, uh, uh, I, you know, sometimes can be, <laughs> can be like, oh man, I haven't I'm disappointed. That today. Yeah. How disappointing. Yeah. Similar. <laughs> but yeah. I try to, to just focus on that, you know, the, the, the positive of that and like what we're creating. I, I think like, I mean, this, this taps the music around me, like um, a good day for me is where I've created something, um, you know, and that can actually be sometimes be quite selfish. I don't always necessarily publish that. It might just be a little song or it might be a new piece of technology that does something for me or learning. And so I'm, I'm motivated, I guess, by learning that create that creative spark, creating something new. That's, that's what really fires me up. And, and, and usually, you know, if you, and, it, well, and the real, you know, if someone can use something that we've created and, and gets benefit out and that goes um, and helps lots of people, then that's a real, a real boast. You, you know, you sort of satisfy the fact that, ah, I am creating something useful in this world and um, sort of trying to leave it a better place, I suppose, at the end of the day. Ooh, good answer. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, for the creators of us, similar, but it, it's not a good day if I haven't created something. It might just yeah. be an article or it might be some half-baked song idea or it could be a new idea for a metaverse or something written on the chalkboard. It doesn't really matter. It's kind of, I suppose, if you're into that inspirational yeah. creative piece, it doesn't really matter what it is, actually. But like you said, the, the, I get the usefulness lens too. Um, try and try and marry those up is a, is the trick, isn't it? Okay. Um, so what's what's next for you personally and for the business in 2023 then? Well, personally, I need to... Uh... I need to review my goals to be honest. I you know, I've set a goal to do my goals. 
That's how I like it. Yeah, I want to. I I want to get back into doing some more live music because I haven't done that for a little while. Uh, just from a personal point of view, for the business, we want to uh, sort of working on version two of our of our framework, and we want to try and publicly release that. It's essentially a um a platform that allows you to very rapidly uh take control of data and and like information. Hopefully, like if we can, so so for me, it'd be amazing if we could launch that. And, you know, we uh, went through it to university and like it was a design engineering and every project, um, even though they weren't anything to do with software, they were to do with like, you know, how people are, you know, uh, react differently in the metaverse versus like reality, like actual reality. And there was, you know, um, how manufacturing might change in the future. But all of these projects, really fascinating. They were all like, and then we had to put the data and had to do the software and put it into a database and get the results, right? Because you always need results to prove anything in science. So if we can, so the, so if we can launch that platform and sort of like allow people to very rapidly create these databases and get data in without having to learn loads of software that would be awesome so i'd like to try and accelerate that so that um you know people are able like liberated from code and uh sort of the drudgery of managing data online that would be great so that's kind of like a bit more of a lofty goal that we're sort of heading towards we have some internal tools but we just want to try and get them out into the world um and then um the business you know keep that going uh we've got some growth plans to try and achieve this year um after a good year last year we want to sort of keep that growth going and um and that's it yeah so that's kind of the the mission this uh very good (laughs) nothing wrong with lofty goals steve and pragmaticness too a bit of both is what's necessary isn't it uh, yeah. let's, let's ignore any potential recessions coming through who cares yes. yeah we're all doing interesting things it's a great place a great place to be what a time to be alive um yeah well, steve thanks very much for for jumping on today really enjoyed that chat i'm looking forward to hearing it back actually but that's been brilliant thanks again uh where can people find you online and your business oh well so yeah business is newicon.net um you find me on linkedin generally i'm most active actually uh on linkedin is that is that is that is that cool that's not cool is it it's like i mean it's not cool but it is business so that's that's absolutely fine yeah oh man i feel i should be like oh um i saw i've have a twitter account i don't really use it is that bad i'm bad i'm a bad person um (laughs) you can find yeah i am on twitter steve at steve aob think of like any other business steve any other business and uh yeah linkedin just steve o'brien so yeah but you can Great find stuff. all that from from our website newicon.net yeah i'll put them in the notes as well so um people can brilliant. connect if if uh if they like to great so well thanks again steve uh it's been brilliant mate um and i'm sure I'll talk to you again soon yeah brilliant thanks Roy. good to catch up thanks for listening to this episode of conversations worth millions with me roy murphy founder of the digital innovation agency synthetic we work with brands on strategy innovation and design sprints mvps and prototypes all the way to full transformation projects on the web in apps and on web3 we love talking about chatbots ai automation the metaverse and how emerging tech can drive business for you find us over at syntheticagency.co